Hello, my friends. Welcome to Screen Facts with Jason Davis, episode 22, joined again by my fantastic wife, Sue. Woo, hello. <laughs> and we're going to talk about a movie that actually, when we first met and we started talking back and forth and getting to know each other, and then I checked out your Facebook page mm -hmm. and all your quotes and things oh, like that. yeah, back when Facebook was really cool. <laughs> you actually quoted this movie, and I was really impressed by that. Well, it's so quotable. Absolutely. And I knew that I would get along very well with you <laughs> if you were quoting this movie. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> so the movie we're going to talk about is The Jerk. Classic Steve Martin movie. Mm -hmm. Released December 14th, 1979. I think this is Steve Martin's best work. What do you I, think? I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, he's done some other good things too. All of Me is a great one as I well. I love that. Mm -hmm. But this is great stuff. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Jerk was directed by Carl Reiner, the legend. And uh, his son, Rob Reiner, who of course is a great director uh, on his own and also uh, a talented actor, he has a little cameo in this movie. That's right. Yeah, there's a scene where uh, <laughs> Steve Martin is hitchhiking, and he goes, uh, where are you going? St. Louis, where are you going? The end of this fence. <laughs> okay. Okay, and he gets in, and the, and the guy driving the pickup truck that takes him to the end of the fence is Rob Reiner. That's right. This is actually the first of four films that Steve Martin made with Carl Reiner. The others, All of Me, which I just mentioned, mm -hmm. The Man with Two Brains, and Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. The screenplay was written by Steve Martin, Carl Gottlieb, and Michael Elias. This was Steve's first screenplay to be produced. And the story written by Steve Martin and Carl Gottlieb. Carl Gottlieb was one of the writers or co-writers on Jaws. Oh, which is interesting because it's nothing like this movie, obviously. Now, I know a really great podcast about that movie. Is that not mentioned in that one? In it that is. podcast? That is a great podcast. So this is Steve Martin starring in his first lead role, by the way. Bernadette Peters is uh, one of his co-stars in this, who at the time of the filming and afterwards, they were an item. That's right. Ah. Well, you can tell they had terrific chemistry together. Yeah, they were great. Mm -hmm. Do you know how they met? I don't. Can I tell you? Yes, you may. They met because they were on Kenny Rogers' celebrity softball team in 1977. <laughs> Can you imagine? So they met, and a couple months later, uh, they were on TV's Hollywood Squares. Oh, okay. Remember that show? Yeah. Circle gets the square. Loved it. That was great. Yeah, Steve Martin was on the side of her, and he admits that he actually cut up like a teenager and would throw things at her, and he finally <laughs> just asked her out. So by the time they were filming, they were a couple. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that came through in the in the film, and that's what makes it so great, probably. That's right. I mean, he actually wrote the part of Marie with her in mind. Makes sense. Yeah. One of the other co-stars, Catelyn Adams, who plays Patty. Interesting thing about her is a year after this movie, she starred as Neil Diamond's wife, Rivka, in The Jazz Singer. Oh, wait. Rivka? Like mild little meek Rivka? Yes. <laughs> as opposed to hairy armpitted Patty? <laughs> Throwing her motorcycle helmet and <laughs> kicking the shit out of everybody. Uh, that's Patty. right. Um, and of course, Jackie Mason um, plays oh, Harry Hartoonian in this. That's right. You know, this movie grossed $73.7 in the U.S. That's pretty good. It was a massive success at the worldwide box office, grossing over $100 million from an original production budget of only about $4 million. Now, keep in mind, this is 1979 that this movie came out. That's right. That's really good money, for, especially for this kind of a movie. Yeah. The shoot was uh, scheduled to go 55 days, but... And a rare thing in Hollywood, it actually finished 10 days early. Another thing that's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Under time and on budget. Yeah. 15 sets were constructed for the movie, and they also had 80 exterior filming locations. That's so right. they did a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they still came in early, which is amazing, mm-hmm. and with not a lot of money spent. So That's right. Good job, guys. <laughs> So the basic premise of this movie comes from one of Steve Martin's stand-up routines. It was on his debut comedy album, Let's Get Small. I remember that album. And it featured, I'm pretty sure, the song King Tut. The thing I remember about the album was that my brother, hey Mike, (laughs) my brother Mike would let me go up in his room when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. and I could listen to any of his albums. Now that might not sound like a big deal to people who are maybe, you know, two or three years younger than your brother. Mm -hmm. But my brother's 12 years older than me. He didn't mind if I put on his Grateful Dead or his Rolling Stones or his Led Zeppelin. Or his Steve Martin. Or his Steve Martin. So that's where, that's why I know it. Very cool. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) In the original routine, Steve claimed to have been born a poor black child, which of course is how this movie starts. Right. And how after hearing his first Montalvani record, he decided to become white. That's right. It was a whole thing. He decided to become white. He like moved maybe. He had um, <laughs> and a certain appendage of his body made shorter. And then he <laughs> wait, became wait, wait, wait. a weatherman. It sounds like you're talking about his dick. I would never say that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, but that was part of the whole well, yeah, become of white. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's really funny. And there's also, there's a great mystery on the internet. When I was doing my research, everyone's trying to figure out the music that Naven finally connects to when mm-hmm. he's in his room and he notices that his feet are bopping. Right. And he can snap and all of a sudden he can dance because he loves this music speaks to him. A lot of people thought it was Montavani. Oh, okay. The other thing too, I mentioned King Tut before, you know, the, mm-hmm. the famous novelty song that he recorded. Oh, one of my favorites. And there's a scene in The Jerk where he's dressed and he's got all kinds of necklaces on. And one of rich. them, you know, when he's rich, one of them is a King Tut That's uh, right. medallion. All those, which I, oh, I yeah, never the noticed gold it chains before. and one of them's King Tut. Yeah, I never noticed it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just mm-hmm. watched the movie. So pretty cool. Readers of Movie Magazine Premiere voted Steve Martin's performances, Navin Johnson, to the number 99 spot for their 100 greatest performances of all time poll. Talk about just squeaking in. Yeah, you just got in there. (laughs) Premier also voted this movie as one of the 50 greatest comedies of all time in 2006. The film is ranked at number 48 on Movie Magazine Total Films Reader's Poll of the Greatest Comedy Films of All Time. And the movie is ranked at the number 20 spot on Bravo's 100 Funniest Movies list. The IGN Entertainment website ranked the movie as the 10th top comedy film of all time. I think it should be even higher than that, but... Who am I to argue with the IGN Entertainment website? (laughs) Whatever the hell that is. (laughs) (laughs) The picture is ranked at the number 89 spot on the AFI's 100 Years, 100 Laughs list. Forgetting about all those lists, watching this movie again reminded me just how funny it is. Mm -hmm. I mean... There's a laugh every minute. Well, that's an interesting point that I learned doing my research. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in co-writing the script with Carl Gottlieb and Michael Elias, Steve Martin and theirs goal was to provide a laugh on each page of the screenplay. Okay. I have to say something right now, and this is the God's honest truth for those of you listening. I did not know that fact. That was a fact that you looked up. No, you I got blindsided own... him with it. Totally. So when I said a laugh a minute, they literally set out to do that. That's right. And I guess they succeeded. They sure did. because really... and, cool? and probably and then some. A I mean... laugh a page. Well, there's, I would even yeah. say there's more than a laugh oh, a page. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know. These cans are exploding. <laughs> he on. hates these cans. He hates these cans. <laughs> Wait, my favorite line. <laughs> you mean I'm going to stay this color? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's so many funny things in this movie. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about some of the other highlights in terms of lines, but you know, you just forget how great of a comedic actor Steve Martin is. Oh, he's the whole package, yeah. 
I mean, even the way he uses his body too. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of scenes he's a where great physical actor. There's some scenes where he's dancing and it's really funny. Mm-hmm. And then when he's working at the gas station and he's trying to be uh, <laughs> sneaky with those guys in right. the car. Yeah. And. He- <laughs> And he's running on his tiptoes, kind of. It's just, it's, it's, he's just yeah. funny. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant. Yes. Genius. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. The movie's The Jerk. It's kind of a lowbrow concept for a movie. But you'd be really amazed if you start to read up on it and find out the audience that it attracted that became big fans of this. Stanley Kubrick, the famed director, mm-hmm. who is probably as cerebral as they come, mm-hmm. He was a big fan of this movie. Okay. And he would actually quote lines from the film to cast and crew on the films that he directed. And he once invited Steve Martin over so they could play chess. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, you wouldn't think Stanley Kubrick is a big fan of the jerk, but there you go. Yeah, there's Dan and Steve playing chess. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Did you know that Bill Murray filmed a cameo that was deleted? Yeah, I wonder if it still exists somewhere. Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. But on the December 15th, 1979 broadcast of Saturday Night Live, Bill jokingly reviewed the jerk, saying, I was in the movie, but I got cut out of it. That doesn't influence my opinion. The movie's a dog. There's something missing. I don't know who it is. I can't say. (laughs) Sounds like something he would do, too. (laughs) I wonder what his part was in this. I Yeah, I don't know. Steve Martin put out a book called Born Standing Up. And in the book, he said that his favorite line in The Jerk was actually ad-libbed, which is interesting because, I mean, it's such a well-written movie. Yeah. When he's hitchhiking, at one point, a man in a truck stops and says, St. Louis? And then Navin says, no, Navin Johnson. That's his favorite line. And that's an (laughs) ad-lib. Yeah, that's an (laughs) ad-lib. That's great. And then his favorite scene is when uh, the crazed gunman, played by M. Emmett Walsh, is shooting the cans at the gas station. Too funny. Oh, that's great. And, And the guy's a horrible shot. Oh, yeah, terrible. He's got a scope and he's hitting... <laughs> he's hitting every can. He hates these cans. And he's and I love when he's uh, running. There's cans in there, too. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere he goes, there's cans. <laughs> so funny. And then when he makes his getaway in the, in the Dodge Dart, which br- brought me back to one of my first cars, which Aww. I loved. Yes, Love you do car. talk about that car a lot. You know, it was it was one of my first cars. Yeah, that's a special. Yeah, yeah and special and it thing. had those great vent windows. Oh, don't yeah, vent oh, windows. Man, the don't best. get me started. But yeah, when he makes his getaway in the Dodge Dart with no tires. <laughs> 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 and you know, the funny thing about this movie too is I like know I've known this movie for so long, mm-hmm. but I know I didn't see it at the movies. My first recollection of this movie is talking about it with kids in grade school after seeing it on TV. Okay. Edited. Yeah, like maybe Channel 11 or you know, something had it. The dog or... shithead was stupid instead. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Aww. You know, that kind of stuff. The other great thing about the movie, too, is that Steve Martin, as gifted of a comedic actor and writer and stand-up as he mm-hmm. is, he's got other skills, too. Oh, sure. I mean, he's, he's actually an accomplished banjo player. Right. And he demonstrated a little uh, uh, ukulele ukulele playing in this and, of course, singing. Right. Um, The song that Navid and Marie sing when they're walking along the beach, Tonight You Belong to Me, was a hit in the 1950s for sister duet Patience and Prudence. Now, you have some information about the song as well, right? I do, too. I I learned that uh, Gene Austin recorded it in 1927, originally. Martin actually said in his memoir, the scene that they sing it in was his favorite scene. Uh And he said he felt it was very touching. And so when that was the <laughs> when it was the film's premiere in St. Louis, mm-hmm. St. Louis, uh-huh. he was just waiting in anticipation. But unfortunately, much of the audience left during the scene to buy more popcorn. Oh, no. 
Isn't that sad? That's very sad, but I started to kind of laugh to myself because I'm, I'm thinking of the scene now. Mm -hmm. And they're singing the song, and then there's a break in the song where uh, Bernadette Peters plays the cornet. Mm -hmm. And after the song finishes, Navin says to her something about, like, he wanted to crawl through the, the front and through the, all the vowels <laughs> right, right. and everything and, and kiss her on the lips. Mm -hmm. And then she says, why didn't you? He said, I didn't want to get spit all over me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> According to uh, Steve Martin's Twitter page, mm -hmm. he says, if you listen after they sing Tonight You Belong to Me, mm -hmm. when he stands up, you can hear a crack because he stepped on the ukulele. Oh, no. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I got to look for that. I know. I hate when I miss things like I that. I know. I know. And what I love about that song, that performance, too, is Bernadette Peters mm -hmm. is phenomenal. I love her. And she's got quite a, a theater background. She was the original Broadway baby. And she had had a career on Broadway for a while before okay. she did this movie. But yet when they're walking on the beach and singing the song, she sings it so softly. Yeah, well, I think that's the scene. And then later on, when he's <laughs> in the tub and he's singing, I bought a thermos for you. Yeah. <laughs> and then she starts singing something and yeah. she's like full out belting yeah. and like, you know, <laughs> wailing on it. I just love her. <laughs> So prior to the film's opening, Steve Martin was on a flight that was delayed in Terre Haute, Indiana. Now, he talked about it on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, calling Terre Haute, quote, no place. <laughs> the residents of the city uh, took exception to that. They <laughs> think that was very cool. They ended up inviting Steve back. They gave him the key to the city and a tour of the local fertilizer plant, <laughs> Ooh, which had to be exciting. That had to be. Steve repaid the city by opening the jerk in Terre Haute. Now, there's an interesting side note to this that has nothing to do with the movie, but I'm going to throw it in here because I know Blazer's going to appreciate this. Right. Terre Haute, Indiana is where the Kiss Army was first formed. Stop it. A guy named Bill Starkey, who I'm actually friends with on Facebook, I'm kind of psyched to cool. say. He and his friends told a local radio station that if they didn't play Kiss's music, they and the rest of the Kiss Army would surround the radio station. And then the fan club was born. The rest is history. Kistery. Kistery. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, anytime I can work a Kiss fact into a podcast about a movie, I'm going to. Hey, why not? So some of the locations from the movie have changed since the film came out. Hartunian's gas station was located on the corner of Halstead and Rosemead Boulevard in Pasadena, California. The gas station has since been torn down and replaced by a Carl's Jr. restaurant. In addition, the hill that the shooter climbs to fire upon the gas station is Green Hill, which has been developed into a professional office center. Like everything nowadays. Yeah, that's right. Hey, at least it's not a Starbucks. After Navin hits the big time, he gets rich uh, mm -hmm. after inventing the Optigrab. <laughs> of course he buys the gigantic mansion right it's actually sort of an infamous mansion in beverly hills that's used in the movie that's right they actually use two beverly hills mansions okay one for the inside shots one for the outside okay i don't know about you but i was trying to figure out the outside shots were taken at the same mansion that was used in the godfather oh, and the okay. bodyguard Oh, interesting. And I was trying to like think back in my head to see if they were familiar to me or not, but I couldn't I couldn't quite put it all together. And also that mansion was once owned by William Randolph Hearst. So the interior shots were filmed just a year after the owner at the time, Arab Sheik Al Fasi, took over the mansion. Okay. Now, did you read anything about this Sheik guy? Uh, no, but I imagine he wasn't very popular in Beverly Hills. <laughs> Well, apparently, after he moved in, he proceeded to redecorate the mansion in the very tasteful ways that were depicted in the film. <laughs> Basically like Elvis threw up. 
basically. (laughs) (laughs) And also, all the Greek statues all over the property, Mm -hmm. he painted them flesh tones and painted pubic hair on them. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Yikes. So he was in that house for around three years with it looking like that. In addition to his decorating taste inside and out, Mm -hmm. he also adopted over 100 stray cats. Talk about a neighbor from hell. (laughs) Yikes. The mansion's gone now. It was torched by an arsonist in 1980, right after the movie came out. And I believe uh, the onlookers were actually kind of chanting, burn, 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 while it was burning. Like we said, they weren't a big fan of the chic. Can you imagine? (laughs) It's funny because when we saw the movie and we saw how it was decorated, because they show like they all flash different areas. And he's like, and because I needed an all red billiard room with the, you know, ornate camel or whatever it was. Like, it's like, I'm looking at that thinking, how did they even come up with all of this? But apparently they all. They just use the existing decor. Exactly. That's awesome. (laughs) They probably thought it was so funny. Yeah. That they, you know, included it in the movie. I don't remember this, but there was a show called The Jerk 2, T-O-O. That was made and released in 1984 as a television movie. Don't remember it, but Mark Blankfield, who had been on the ABC late night comedy show Fridays, which was ABC's version of Saturday Night Live, that Uh that was only around for a couple of years. Mark Blankfield played Navid Johnson in in that movie, okay? Okay. Steve Martin was credited for characters and was also an executive producer, but he did not appear in the movie. Okay. Mark Blankfield, later on, (laughs) I'm going to throw another kiss fact in here. (laughs) Why not? He played an interviewer in a uh, a home video that KISS released called KISS Exposed. It was a compilation of videos and old footage, but in between it was Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley basically just, you know, kind of hamming it up for the camera Mm -hmm. doing an interview. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Mark Blankfield was in that as well, so there's another KISS fact for you. How do you like that? (laughs) It's a small little KISS-loving world. That's right, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some of the favorite things in this movie for you? Well, I love when he's leaving Marie. Okay. And for some reason, he's sitting at that table and he's writing out all the checks. Right. And when you he stands up, he's wearing that robe. Mm-hmm. And you realize that his pants are around his ankles. Yeah. Because as he's leaving, he's shuffling along with his pants down. Oh, yeah. And he's saying, I don't need anything. <laughs> right. Except this and except that. Right. Right. The paddle game, the ashtray, mm-hmm. <laughs> remote control. Right. <laughs> the chair. Mm-hmm. And then when he's walking outside <laughs> and, he, and he goes, all I need is my dog. And the dog growls at him. <laughs> I don't need my dog. (laughs) Now, apparently that's based on a routine he would do in his stand-up. Oh, okay. He would, you know, do this exit saying, I don't need anything. And then he'd proceed to like pick up everything that was on stage on his way out. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't either. It's awesome. (laughs) One of the things that stands out for me is when after he and Marie first get together and uh, they're sleeping together for the first time, Mm -hmm. she's literally sleeping and she really does look dead. She does. She does. And... He's kind of babbling on and on. And he's like, you know, you look so beautiful and peaceful. You almost look dead. <laughs> and I'm glad because there's something I want to say that's always been very difficult for me to say. I slit the sheet, the sheet I slit, and on the slitted sheet I sit. There. I've never been relaxed enough around anyone to say that. <laughs> I don't know how she kept a straight face. I have no idea. She must have earplugs in and I don't know. I'd love to know how many takes they had to do Exactly. Because that, that's, that's hilarious. Yep. Now that um, nine weeks and five days scene is there yes. also in bed, right? This seemed, the, the first week seemed like, you know, five days. And then there was the day you were away. Yeah, that just seemed like a day. all part of the same scene. Yep. Apparently that was improvised. Oh, really? And every time they did a new take, it changed somehow. Oh, God. And that's awesome. And it was awesome. just cracking them all up. He's a genius. <laughs> he is. I love him. <laughs> Lord loves a working man. Don't trust Whitey. See a doctor and get rid of it. <laughs> Son, that's shit and that's Shinola. <laughs> 
then he walks in the shit. He steps in it anyway. <laughs> oh. Oh, my God. The new phone book's here. The new phone book's here. <gasps> yes. I'm somebody. <laughs> and then later on, he says to Patty, um, you know, my name's in the phone book and it's on your ass. You know, I bet more people see that than the phone book. Oh, right, right. But, <laughs> 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 you know, the other thing that's really funny, too, is when he starts working and he's making like next to nothing. Right. But he sends money back to his, his family yeah, in Mississippi. Like 49 cents. Yeah, or whatever. Dollar 11. And he always writes a little note. And then there's one scene where the grandma's reading the note. My dear family, guess what? Today I found out what my special purpose is for. Gosh, what a great time I had. <laughs> I wish the whole family could have been here with me. Maybe some other time, as I intend to do this a lot. I think next week I'll be able to send more money, as I may have extra work. My friend Patty has promised me a blowjob. Your loving son, Navin. <laughs> and the whole special purpose thing, is that just cracks me up. Uh, I think he had a friend whose mother actually referred to his friend's junk as your special purpose. Special purpose. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, so oh, it, oh, in real life, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> What's, well, Mom, that's your special purpose, honey. Oh, my God. For real. <laughs> oh, man. And one of the other notes that he sends uh, home to the family, he finishes with, P.S., is Grandma still farting? <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Grandma. Now, Carl Reiner and Steve Martin had a really great relationship okay. working on this. It seemed like it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, in shooting the film, Martin says that Reiner ran a joyful set, and the cast and crew ate lunch together every day. Oh, that's awesome. There was a gas shortage going on at the time. Remember gas shortages in the 70s? Oh, yeah. Because of the shortage, uh, Martin and director Carl Reiner, Carl pulled to the set every day. And Reiner said every day they came up with at least one or two new jokes on the way to work. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so it gave them time to you know be together you see talk about taking lemons and making lemonade That's and here's right. a situation where you know you got the gas shortage and they have to carpool so what do they do with that time they come up with a better movie that's right steve martin said that carl reiner was like a father to me although i wouldn't let him bathe me like he wanted to <laughs> <laughs> so you started you know when you're mentioning carl Carl Gottlieb, the other one of the other right. writers, he actually has a cameo in the movie too. In this, in the jerk. Yes, he's Iron Balls McGinty. Iron Balls McGinty, sweet. Yep. And then Steve Martin actually has a cameo too. Yes, he plays a uh, second he, part, the cat juggler. Yeah, he's the cat juggler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, father, good father, tell me that there's a god that allows this kind of thing. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, Carl Reiner must have been a lot of fun to work with because, you know, the scene where um, Steve Martin licks Bernadette Peters' face? Mm -hmm. Carl Reiner actually just told him to do it at the last minute. Oh, my God. And she God. had no idea it was coming. You can kind of tell, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was Steve Martin improvising it. But Either it was... way, it's great. Because yeah. you could tell she's completely caught off guard yeah. by that. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, licking someone's face. I can't imagine. And you know what? Kudos to Bernadette Peters because she didn't break. No, I mean... well, she, you know what? When you work on stage, yep. you learn to go with what happens. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. Most of us, if somebody licked our face like that, we would react. Right, I might throw up. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me not to lick your face. Okay. Um, but yeah, but in the movie, you can tell that she's caught off guard. Yep. And like she kind of sort of laughs a little bit, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but she doesn't like, she's not like, oh, you know. <laughs> she's just kind of like, oh, isn't that yeah. interesting? Wasn't expecting that. Ooh. <laughs> They must 
must have been so much fun to work with. Oh, uh, that must have been great. Well, Carl <laughs> Reiner goes way back with uh, with Mel Brooks. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, so those guys are legends. Mm-hmm. I mean, the comedy chops, forget it. Yep. It's amazing. To quote Blazer, it's 100%. 100% amazing. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Anything else? The scene where he and Bernadette Peters are out for that nice dinner in the fancy restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when he says to her, you know, look up, don't look down, look up, don't, don't look down. Waiter, waiter, there's snails on my wife's plate. <laughs> you think in a classy place like this, you can keep the snails off the plate. That's right. <laughs> Great stuff. I love The Jerk. I I, I can watch this movie over and over again. And I will. Yeah. And it makes me laugh every time. You know, it's not like you watch it and you go, oh, okay. It's funny every time. Yeah. And the whole, all of it's funny. Like there aren't some parts that aren't as funny as others. It's all just great. Yeah. Hey, you got to give it up to them for uh, coming up with a joke per page. That's right. Joke (laughs) per page, laugh a minute. And a couple new ones on the way to work every day. There you go. That's a good goal. And some funny, and some funny improvisation too. That's right. There you go. See The Jerk again if you haven't seen it in a while. That's right. If you have any thoughts or screen facts of your own about The Jerk or any comments about the podcast, if we're laughing too much, you can let us know. We don't care. We're still going to laugh, but you can let us know. (laughs) Please join the conversation. You can email me at screenfacts at yahoo.com. Send me a tweet at Jason Davis Voice, or you can find me on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash Jason Davis voiceover. Also, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes. Tell your family and friends about the podcast, please. You can help us by posting links on Facebook, Twitter, whatever social media you use. Help us spread the word. And also, please check out my website, jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. You can get information there about the redesigned Screen Facts t-shirts if you want to support the show by buying one and wearing it around. And um, you can also find out some of the options of where you can download and listen to Screen Facts with Jason Davis if you're not a subscriber on iTunes. So thanks for joining us. Thank you, honey, for being with me on another podcast. So much fun to do this with you. Thank you for having me. Anytime. You know I love doing this with you. It's great. Please come back again next Wednesday for more Screen Facts with Jason Davis.